Lord God, we thank you so much. We bow down to you, Lord, and we thank you for worship. We thank you for the opportunity we have even this morning to come to worship you, to come to this worship service. And it's not just a song. It's just not, it's not just singing our hearts to you, Lord, but it's seeking you, God. Worship service is about seeking you and finding you and coming to you, Lord. And God, we're, we look for you in your word today. Lord, we pray that the Bible, Lord, the very words in front of us on the pages, Lord, of this book we're holding, Lord, that you would speak through them and speak to us. God, this is your word to us. And Lord, as we come before you, may you open our eyes to the wonders of your truth, Lord. May you open our ears to what the Holy Spirit is saying to us. And God, help us to open up our hearts in response to receive those things. God, if you convict our hearts, if you show us where we are erring, our wrongs, Lord, God, may we turn and repent and bow to you and seek your forgiveness and get us on the right path, Lord. Put our eyes upon exactly where you want it to be, Lord. So, God, bless this time, the study of your word, God. And, Lord, may your Holy Spirit anoint it as he is already anointing this service now. And we ask this in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. I love this old story of this backcountry farmer who took his family into the city to stay at a very nice hotel for a vacation. Now, this was the first time these guys went into the big city that they, they've ever been exposed to, like, modern conveniences, like automatic doors, electric lights, all this. Well, while the mom and daughter were shopping at the hotel gift shop, the farmer and his son sat down across from these two metal sliding doors. Just then, this elderly lady slowly hobbled up to the doors with her walker. The two sliding doors opened up, and the elderly lady stepped into this box, as it seemed like to the farmer and his son. The farmer and the son carefully watched the sliding doors close as it seemed to have swallowed up this elderly lady. Then they both noticed the numbers above the doors light up from one all the way to seven and then back down to one. Suddenly, the two metal doors slid open and out walked this tall, young, beautiful woman. Oh, wide-eyed, the boy says, did you see that, Dad? Did you see what happened to her? Well, well, without taking his eyes off the woman, the father reaches over to the boy and says, Now, son, go get your mother. <laughs> I love that story. You know why I like that? Because don't you wish we had a box like that? Don't you wish? I mean, as I, as I get older, I wish, whoa, I wish I could go into this box. It closes in, and I come up younger. Thinner, yeah. Oh, all the, the food was so honor at the retreat. I just ate and ate and ate. I told the guys, this is what a retreat is about, eating, yeah. And re retreat means eat, yeah, and all that. Then someone made a comment, yeah, it means we eat, retreat, yeah, we eat. Anyway, but, you know, I wish we could go into a box like that. Get, come out young, thin, where your skin is smooth and soft, where your muscles are strong again. I wish we could get all whole again like that. Well, as we return to our study in the book of 1 Corinthians, Paul explains how all believers will receive actually a new glorified body, a whole new body. 
And it's done all by the power of the resurrection. That's the title of our message this morning. The power of the resurrection. We're going to be studying 1 Corinthians 15 from verse 35 through verse 58. We're going to finish off this chapter. It's uh, our third message in the chapter 15 as we're studying through the Bible here, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. And so verse 35 through 58, the power of the resurrection. Now this section here, I've broken up into three parts, and this is our outline. Number one, the transformation. Number two, the liberation. And number three, the inspiration. So let's take a look at our passage here, beginning outline number one, the transformation, the transformation in this power of the resurrection. Take a look with me here now, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 35. Paul writes, but someone will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? We'll just stop here on our first verse here, verse 35. Now, we begin here, Paul writing here. Now, someone might ask, he's saying, He's saying someone might ask this question, how are the dead raised up? In other words, how does this resurrection stuff work? How does this really work with, with believers who pass on and die? How are they raised up in this way? And then with what body do they come? In other words, what kind of body comes with this? When you're raised up, what, what, what is that? So Paul's like, hey, someone may be asking here, what happens to me and my body in the resurrection that, hey, Paul, that you've been talking about, that you've been preaching about here? And that's what we've seen, haven't we, in this chapter. In our past two messages, Paul's been bringing the carnal, worldly, Corinthian believers back to center. Remember, we started out with that. He's been reiterating what it's about. What is the gospel about? Christ died, was buried, and rose again on the third day. He brought him back to the foundation of everything. And then he focused in on the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And he spoke about the proofs of his resurrection like we went over in this first message of chapter 15. And we called that what? The truth of, or the truth about the resurrection. And then he went on. We saw in our la last message last week how there's hope in the resurrection for believers, right? Because Christ rose again from the dead, then we know as believers we're going to rise again. That gives us that assurance. There's that proof right there. And he gave that logical, you know, uh, uh, writing we saw earlier about, well, if Christ isn't risen, then we're not risen. If, if, if Christ isn't risen, he went on that, well, then the gospel isn't true. And then we don't have no hope. And we don't have hope in, in the afterlife or in the eternal life. And then this is all this, this is? Oh, if that's it, then we would be very sad indeed. But we saw that there's hope in the resurrection, that there's hope that we will be raised again when we pass on. So now as we come here into this last section of chapter 15, Paul goes on here to explain how this all works and what these new bodies that we're going to have when we are also resurrected from the dead. So... Let's see what Paul says on how does the believer's resurrection all work. How does this all work? Well, look at the next verse. Verse 36. Foolish one, what you sow is not made alive unless it dies. So Paul's like addressing maybe any skeptics there saying, hey, hey don't, don't be so foolish. I mean, think about nature itself. What you sow 
you know, version of our physical body, right? It, it's not just some refurbished thing. You know, uh, years ago, I had the first um, iPad when it came out, and something happened to the home button. And so I had the warranty called Apple and everything. They sent a new one. I sent the old one back. And I found out what they sent you is a refurbished one, one that's been fixed up, right? One that is all okay now. Paul's, not, Paul's saying that's not what it's going to be. You will rise up to a different kind of body. It's going to be totally different. Remember in John 11 when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, right? When Lazarus got up, when, when, when the, Jesus raised him up and, hey, move the stone, Lazarus, come forth, and he came out alive. He came out like Lazarus, and he came out without that disease or sickness or whatever had, had put him to die. He came out there, right, right there again. It was Lazarus there. But he came out as a refurbished body of Lazarus, not a glorified body. So understand that. Understand that. That's why we, we learned before uh, Jesus is the first to rise again. Right? We're not talking about just, oh, didn't Lazarus get raised? You know, didn't, didn't the daughter get raised? We read in the Gospels. Didn't get people in the Bible get raised from the dead? No, it's talking about Jesus is the first to rise again with a new glorified body. Others were just raised from the dead in the Bible. They got re refurbished ones that will what? Break down again, right? One day Lazarus did die. Lazarus' body did break down. But he got this refurbished one. So number two is you will rise up to a different body. First, before you rise up, you got to die. You got to shed your old body. But when you ri rise up, it's going to be a different body. Now look at verse 38. But God gives it a body as he pleases and to each seed its own body. So, so Paul here is, is saying, you know, God's going to make each seed to to write to grow up or sprout up to what it is you know if it's a watermelon seed it's going to be a watermelon so he says to each seed its own body so you know what paul is saying here number three is this you will rise up as the same person you will rise up as the same person just like a wheat seed when it grows up it doesn't become corn right and, or, 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 you know, a rice seed doesn't grow into a watermelon. No, whatever that seed is, it's going to come out to be that, though it's going to be different, yeah, than what it looks like when you plant it in the ground. So number three, Paul's saying you will rise up as the same person. Now, John MacArthur made this observation. He said, after Jesus was raised, no one recognized him unless he revealed himself to them. And we know that. We know the stories in that way. But... Once revealed, he was recognizable. He was recognizable. So it's a different body, a glorified body than the human body that Jesus had, but he was recognizable. I love that, you guys. So when we're resurrected as believers, when we're given our new bodies, it's going to be different than this old physical body. But, you know, we're going to be the same person. We're going to be someone that people are going to say, hey, Hey, I know you. Hey, you went to my church, you know. What was your name again? No, but, but, but we'll be recognizable. Here's the thing. We won't need name tags in heaven. We won't need, hello, my name is Rick, you know, kind of thing. We're going to be the same person. It's like when I see my wife in heaven, I'll be like, 
I think I know you. No, my, my wife will know each other. And I think in heaven, too, our minds will know everything. So we will know, know, and we will know each other, yeah? No need for name tags in heaven. So the next thing, he goes on here in verse 39. All flesh is not the same flesh. But there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of animals, another of fish, another of birds. So he's saying there's different kinds of flesh or, or bodies or physical bodies here, right? Bodies that God has made. There's men, there's people, human beings. There's animals, they have their bodies. There's uh, fish, fish have their kind of bodies. And birds, all they have their bodies. Everyone has their unique form and unique form and physical form as a body that God did. Verse 40, he goes on and he says, there are also celestial bodies, meaning heavenly bodies, and terrestrial bodies, meaning earthly bodies. And what's he talking about? Well, look, it says, but the glory, or we can say it's nature form, the celestial is one, the heavenly, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory, verse 41, of the sun another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars, for one star differs from another star in glory. Uh, the, even the stars are different in where they stay, where they're, the, where, where they're at, where they're formed, where, you know, different sized planets, all of that. So Paul's saying these celestial, these heavenly bodies have their own purpose and place where they're set, where God set them. And so the idea is that even in earth, the earth or planets or things like that, that God has, had set them in their environment and where to stay. And that even goes on with, with, with animals and, and uh, fish and birds and things like that. I mean, if we look, right, into, you know, our books and pictures about our solar system, I mean, the sun has its place in space, right? The sun warms us. The, the sun gives that life, right? Or the moon orbiting around the earth. It has its place, God has set. The stars have their special place in creation. Paul was saying, hey, God has done. These bodies, quote unquote, so to speak, have their place and purpose in how God created. And same with terrestrial bodies, like, like a fish or a bird or, you know, God has put them and made them to live in that certain environment. I mean, think about it. You can't grab a fish, you know, and put it on the ground say, I command you to walk, right? It's just going to flop around on the ground, right? It's not going to walk. It's made for what? The water, right? Um, sometimes we have some, uh, uh, you know, mo'os or, you know, geckos are kind of nu a nuisance, you know, <laughs> in us. And so sometimes I'll catch them and I'll like, okay, gecko, fly. Does it fly? No, it's not made to fly. They're okay. They don't die. I'm sorry. I know, you know, I, I know some of you guys are sad about the moles. But that's, I'll bring it to your house next time. But they're, they're, <laughs> they're not made to fly, right? They're made to walk on the walls and upside down and, right, and poop all over the place and all that. Oh, did I say that? I'm sorry. Anyway, but what does the Lord say here now in verse 42? Or what does Paul write? So also is the resurrection of the dead. You get what he's saying here? You get what he's putting forth here? In other words, the body that you receive when you come up from the dead isn't made, is made for eternity. It's suitable for heaven. 
So here's number four. You will rise up with a body made for heaven. That's what Paul is saying. God has made certain bodies, the sun or animals, terrestrial, celestial, for certain purpose, plans, uh, uh, where they're placed, they're, where they're made for that environment. But Paul's saying, hey, you know what? But in the resurrection, you will rise up with a body made for heaven. I love that. 2 Corinthians 5, 1, it says, For we all know that if our earthly house, this tent, speaking about our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Right now, this body, this physical body here, it's, it's for earth. It's only for the earthly physical, what we do here. It's a tent. It's temporary for us believers. One day we're going to move out of this tent and we're going to get a house finally. But this house will be made for eternity. It'll be made so we can live in heaven. So Paul's like, hey, you will rise up with a body made for heaven. So with that question, what's this, when we get resurrected, what, what, what's this body like? Here it is. It's going to be a body made for heaven. And then he goes on, though. Look at verse four, the rest of verse 42. He says, The body is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. Better translated here is the body is sown in, to be like perishable, but it's raised in incorruption to be imperishable. Our body is going to be transformed from the mortal to the immortal. That's what this new body will be like. It will never die. Verse 43, it is sown in dishonor, it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness, it is raised in power. So Paul goes, this, this, this body we have now, well, it's just a body. It, 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 and this new body we're going to get. But our body is going to be transformed from dishonor to glory. It means from something worthless to something valuable. This body of weakness will be raised up in power. We cannot do it. We cannot raise ourselves up. But Jesus, in His power, the power of the resurrection, will raise us up into this new body. Then verse 44, it is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. There's, there's a difference here, guys. There's our, our regular old body and there's our glorified body here. Our bodies can be transformed from a, the natural physical to a spiritual body, a body that can only live in the heavenly eternal realm. Isn't that great? God's going to fit us with this body that will be able to breathe heavenly air. Yeah? That will be able to live in glory, the glory of, uh, in the presence of the Lord. That's what He's given us. Remember I talked about last, last week, we're not just this soul, this spirit floating around there in heaven, right? No, we're talking about literally a body, just like we have a body now, but different. But we're going to be ourselves. But we've got to die first and shed this old body to receive this new body. I cannot wait, you guys. I cannot wait. Then Paul says in verse 45, And so it is written, The first Adam became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, and afterwards, the spiritual. So Paul's writing here, the first Adam, which is Adam, the first man, right, that God created, he created that. He became a living, uh, physical being, right? 
And, and that, that's, we're descendants physically from Adam. But the last Adam, who's that? Jesus, right? We learned in Romans. Jesus Christ. He became a life-giving spirit. But Paul says, but, but, but look at this. The spiritual or the eternal, this new, it's not first, but then natural. The physical comes first, but afterward, then the spiritual. So every human being comes physical first. We're fi a physical human being first. And it started with Adam. But later, then will come the spiritual, the glorified body, the eternal new body we're going to have. Verse 47, the first man was of the earth, made of dust. The second man is the Lord from heaven. As was the man of dust, so also are those who are made of dust. And as in the heavenly man, so also are those who are heavenly. And as, verse 49, as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly man. I love this passage here. I mean, he's, Paul is just logically breaking it down to us to understand what it means, this resurrection and our glorified bodies. He's saying, just as Adam was made of earth, so is every human being, right? We follow after Adam, being here on earth. But hey, just as Jesus came from heaven, so believers will now can be made to live in heaven. And then plus, just like we are like Adam in the resurrection, uh, or, or I'm sorry, just like Adam were born from him, descendants of him, then just like in the resurrection, we're going to be like Jesus Christ. So number five, the last thing that Paul gives us is you will rise up with a body just like Jesus has now. You will rise up with a body just like Jesus has now. So number one was what? Before you rise up, you got to die. You got to shed this old body. Then Paul says, hey, hey, number two, you will rise up with a different body. And then number three, you'll rise up as that same person. And then number four, you'll rise up with a body made for heaven. And then he says, guess what, guys? When you rise up in the resurrection, you're going to have this body just like Jesus has now. The New Living Translation uh, renders Philippians 3.21 like this. He will take your weak mortal bodies and change them into glorious bodies like his own. Using the same power with which he will bring everything under control. So God's going to do this. It's his part. It's not us. It's his doing. It seems like, wow, I, I, this is just, I can't believe it. It's overwhelming. It's mind-blowing. What, what? This body? What's this? Paul's trying to explain some things that are beyond even our comprehension. I don't fully understand, but I know it's going to happen. I cannot wait, you guys. I cannot wait to get that glorified body. I cannot wait to shed this fleshly, sin-prone body, this old thing that breaking down yeah oh getting up in the morning oh oh you know we did a little paddle boarding you know on our break friday and actually in the morning i did a little it's so nice to go out in the water and just be praying and then and then uh, uh and you know oh today i felt it in the morning it's like oh oh i feel a little sore from that you know kind of thing right i cannot wait to get this new body and then i think about this remember how um jesus would just walk through walls basically you know suddenly appear and then disappear but then at the same time he sits down and eat fish yeah with the guys right so it wasn't like he's just spirit and 
you no need to eat. You know, but he can eat. So I'm thinking, wow, that's so awesome. I want to float around. I want to walk through walls. I want to I wanna then eat everything I want to eat without getting fat. Yeah, right? I, at least I think, you know. <laughs> yeah. But, but that's going to be so awesome. So Paul is saying you will rise up with a body just like Jesus has. Get this in your mind. Get this in your heart. Before you rise up, you got to shed this old body. Well, and then you'll rise up in a different body, not, not just some refurbished, refurbished version of yourself, no, but a new glorified. And then you're going to rise up as that same person. You're going to be you. You're not going to be some, some AI version of yourself, right? Some clone. No, you're going to be you. And then you're going to rise up with a body made for heaven, especially made to live in heaven in eternity. And we'll see later even on the earth. And then number five, you will rise up with a body just like Jesus has. God, guys, we're, we're, we're going to be different but the same, but just incredible, incredible, you guys. You know, th the best way for me to really understand this is I remember when I was small, yeah, you ever catch the um, caterpillar, said that right. I always say, did I say caterpillar? But... Nothing wrong with that. Don't laugh. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, I, you, you know how you catch the uh, caterpillar and then you put it in a jar. I remember being a kid, first time, oh, you put it in a jar. You put some leaves in there, right? You feed it leaves when they eat some. You put some more and you kind of watch it. And then all of a sudden I woke up one day and here's this caterpillar turned into a chrysalis. Yeah, that, 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 that not cocoon, right, looking thing, but a chrysalis. And it's hanging on the lid of the jar. And it's like, whoa, what's going on? Whoa, what is, where do you go? Oh, and you know, you're, you're, you learn in science and all that, that, hey, the caterpillar, after it eats, turns into this chrysalis. Then sometime, right, I forget how many weeks or weeks later, suddenly something happens. The thing starts wiggling. And then all of a sudden it breaks open and out comes this, this butterfly all like, so little by little, it starts to spread its wings and spread out, spread out, and starts to flap it and everything. And then you open the jar and go, and it flies away. That's the same way. Just as this little caterpillar turns into this butterfly, it's still the same guy. Yeah, It's still the same guy that started out in this jar. I know, because there wasn't no magic trick or something going on there. Yeah, It was sealed. But it's the same guy, but turns out he gets this new body, and he's this beautiful butterfly flying around now. Yeah, then a bird comes and eats it, but that's another story. No, but, but listen, that's us, right? That's us. This old body gets worn out, finally one day passes, and, 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 and then God takes it and then transforms us. That's the transformation that happens. This butterfly looks like the other butterflies. It's, it's it, where it came from. Well, that's for us. We're going to be transformed and made into this image and have the same type of body that Jesus Christ has. That's our future as believers. Isn't that great? Isn't that wonderful? Made for eternity just like Jesus. That's what's up ahead. And if that's what's ahead, up ahead, shouldn't we look to that? Yeah? Shouldn't we be looking forward to that day when we're citizens of heaven with our new bodies? Shouldn't we live today yeah, as citizens of heaven? Shouldn't our heart be, be 
transform also as God is, is doing his sanctification work in us to prepare us to be that person. Remember the same person, the same person. To be that, that person with this mindset and perspective and, and love for Jesus and, 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 and wanting to live out who God is making us to be as a, a Christian. Yeah. Obedience to the word of the truth, of the truth of what God has given us. Shouldn't we, we be becoming that already? Because, hey, we're going to get this body that's going to be, who going to be in heaven? So shouldn't we already in our minds and hearts live as citizens of heaven? I mean, not only is this a whole, not only am I excited about that, but God, I want to start living it now. I want to do my best to, 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 to put to death my old man, that old person, and to live the new creation that I am on the inside. That God is forming in me and making me into that. God has willed me to be, to be that butterfly, yeah? To be that butterfly. What if the caterpillar is like, I like having all these legs on me, yeah? I like just, you know, eating these leaves, yeah? No, I don't like flowers and nectar. No, I'm going to stay this way. No, that will be crazy. He becomes a butterfly and he doesn't fly and just crawls around. No, no. God has a destiny for you. God has a future for you. And that's in heaven with your glorified body. All right. Let's go on to number two, the liberation. The liberation. In the power of the resurrection, we've seen number one, the transformation. Now number two, the liberation. The liberation. Take a look with me here now. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 50. Paul writes, Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit in corruption. Now, Paul is emphasizing here that flesh and blood, our physical bodies, as they are now, cannot go to heaven. They cannot inherit the kingdom. I mean, he, he, he's just reiterating, really, everything that he's been saying, right? These bodies, our physical bodies, are not made for the, the eternal. Uh, so he says, nor does corruption. And he's not speaking of our moral truths, but he's talking about our dying bodies, these bodies that break down, prone to disease, you know. Uh, they're not able to live in eternity. No. That corruption cannot inherit in corruption. There's no way we can live in heaven, heaven with these earthly bodies. And so Paul is, is like setting you up with the, you know, in your minds, like, okay, remember what I said. I established this now. Now, so, so how, 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 how does this happen, yeah? How is this going to happen? He goes, let me tell you. Verse 51. Behold, he says, I tell you a mystery. Now, the word mystery in the New Testament, remember I've mentioned this many times when we come across it, it, it doesn't mean like, oh, I, I hope I can understand this, you know. I, I hope I, I, I can see what this is about. You know, it's like, oh, how did the whales come from Alaska to Hawaii over here, you know. Oh, why is that? No, it's, it's, when he says mystery, in the Bible, it means it's something not understood or revealed before, but now is being revealed. So Paul's giving us the truth of how we are going to get our resurrected body. So he says, behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. The word sleep here is to die, right? We've covered that before. You know, not everyone's going to sleep. Not everyone's going to die. And it's like, whoa, 
Now, Paul's been establishing, right, that when we die, there's going to be a time when we get our glorified bodies after you die, right? But now Paul's bringing something new here. Paul's speaking to the living believers there in the church of Corinth. He says, now, let me tell you something. Not everyone's going to die. Yeah? Now, there's not everyone's going to die before the resurrection. But, you guys, we shall all be changed. He says we're going to all be transformed. There's going to trans- there's going to be a transformation that's going to happen. Paul, what are you talking about? What are you saying? Verse 52. Let me tell you. He says, "In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed." Oh, Paul saying, "Look at this precise moment." This precise moment in time, in this twinkling of an eye. Now, notice this is twinkling, not a blink. A blink of an eye is like uh, 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 three hundredths of a millisecond, three hundred milliseconds. Yeah, but Paul's saying it's even faster than that. Yeah, it's not a blink like it's not. It's not that fast, and that's fast. He says it's even faster. It's in in a twinkling of an eye, which is like one billionth of a second. In that twi- twinkling, in an instant, it's going to happen so fast. Then he adds, at the last trumpet, which is the last call to the church, right? It's not the call of judgment we see in Revelation. What's he talking about? The rapture here. Yeah. The rapture of the church when the church is taken up in the air, right? So he says, at that last trumpet, the, tr- the rapture, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. So first of all, the dead will be given their glorified bodies. They're going to be raised incorruptible. They're going to be given that glorified body. And then what? We shall be changed. So Paul's like, hey, not everyone will have to die, actually, but there's going to come a time in the rapture that believers who are still alive during that time, they're going to be fast-tracked here. And they're going to be fast-tracked in a way. They're gonna, that's how they're going to shed their body and go up and receive their resurrected glorified body after those who have passed before us receive theirs. I love this. You know, one day Jesus is going to meet us in the air. That's the idea, right? First Thessalonians, I read that scripture last week about speaking about the rapture, speaking about the time when Jesus returns for his church before the seven years of tribulation, of prophecies and revelation, before the world uh, falls apart and judgment comes upon the world, before the Antichrist rises, before all that happens, before the second coming of Jesus, the physical, visible second coming of Jesus at the end of those seven years, before all that. God is going to come for the church. And Jesus said that in John 14, 3. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. So then he goes on, verse 53. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. The NLT puts puts the first part of the verse like this. For our dying bodies must be transformed into bodies that will never die. Verse 54, so when this incorruptible has put on incorruption and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Paul here does a a loose quote or translation of Isaiah 25, 8, which is prophesying the end 
to death. You see, at that point, when we get our resurrected bodies, those who are, who are alive when Jesus comes in the rapture, and those that have passed before us get their resurrected bodies, you know what? Jesus is getting old. Death cannot affect believers in the church anymore. What a milestone that's going to be. What an amazing thing that's going to be where death is swallowed up in victory. Lenski wrote, What looks like a victory for death and like a defeat for us when our bodies die and decay shall be utterly reversed so that death dies in absolute defeat and our bodies live again in absolute victory. I love that. Then Paul writes in verse 55, O death, where is your sting? O Hades, where is your victory? Paul now quotes Hosea 13, 14, taunting death now, saying, where's your sting? Yeah? Where's that pain of, of dying, lost in sin, without hope for, for what's beyond our life here, right? We know Jesus took the death of sting when he died on a cross for our sins. Because he took the penalty for our sins. That's what the gospel's about, right? When Jesus died in our place, he took that sting of death. So where's your sting, death? And then Paul says, Hades, where's your victory? Hell cannot claim victory over those who put their trust in Jesus Christ. We know Ken, yeah? Gave his life to Jesus. We know Ken. His heart. Is for Jesus. We know he put his faith in the work of the cross that Jesus did. And we know because of what the word says that today he is with Jesus, right? He is with Jesus. And hell cannot claim victory, yeah? I got him now. No, no. We know for a fact and we're assured in our hearts that Ken is with Jesus. Amen? Verse 56, the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. Paul reminds us the sting of death is sin. In other words, death, death itself is a consequence of our sin. Because we sin before a holy God, right? Our sin keeps us out of heaven. Yeah? Because of sin, God is a holy God. But God loves us so much, he sent his son to die on the cross for us and get provision, a way for us to get to heaven. But if we don't take that way, then that's it. But the consequence is that death, that death, and that's it. So the sting of death is sin. But then he says, and the strength of sin is the law. What he's talking about is the law, right, tells us what sin is, tells us what we're doing wrong. Without it, without the law, we would never know what sin is, not understand that. So the strength of sin is the law. In other words, then the law tells us what we're doing wrong and is strengthening sin and showing us that we're wrong before the Lord. And it brings that consequence of death. And that means no resurrected life in heaven. It's important we understand this. You know, the other week I had to report for jury duty. <laughs> and oh, it was a long two days in jury selection. And, and uh, um, I was just praying, well, Lord, whatever you like, you know. <laughs> Uh, if, if I can't make it to the men's retreat, it's going to be a two-week trial. You know, oh, we'll work it out, come at night or whatever. But, well, what? Lord, I, I really pray I don't have to. I mean, I, I'd be happy. It was super interesting, questioning and everything. Uh, you know, the, the each prospective juror's question. And um, uh, one of the questions the prosecutor had was, will you able to take what the judge defines the law on what self defense 
is. And, and the whole case, you know, hinged upon really that definition what self-defense is and, 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 and of the accused. So I thought that was a great question because the pros prosecutor saying, you know, asking the jurors, would you be able to, to take how the judge defines the law on self-defense and, and just make a judgment solely on that without putting your own feelings or your own, or your own opinions or what you think is about that? I thought, I thought that was a great question because you know what? We can do that, right? We can say, well, I'm okay. We define, make our own definitions of what sin is. We make our own definition with how to be saved. Well, I'm good enough to go to heaven. But the Bible is clear. One sin will keep us out of heaven, right? That's why Jesus came to give us that way out. We can make our own rules, but the law is law and the strength of sin is just law. Yeah, it shows us that. So Paul's saying, on all this, and all this, and this, this, and all our sin, and all this, how can we, how can we get out of this? Verse 57. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Thanks be to God. I, I, I could hear him shouting this, even though he's writing this. Yeah. Thanks be to God. Doing good works can never save you. Right? destined for hell really but thanks be to God who sent his son to die for us and rise again believers now have the victory over death through Jesus Christ through Jesus you guys that's assurance we have so Paul his point here is this the resurrection of believers is the victory over death and sin by the liberating work of our Lord Jesus Christ the resurrection of believers is the victory over death and sin. The liberating work of our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear death no more. We don't, we don't have to think, well, I, I hope I make it to heaven. No. We can have assurance and know we can get to heaven because the word tells us so because of what Christ did on the cross. We don't have to fear this end. But we know one day we're going to get this new body. We're going to have a body that will be fit for heaven, to live with him forever. I mean, I, I want to be with Jesus. The one I love. The one I want to, the one I, I, I just yearn for and desire. We know the resurrection of believers is the victory over death and sin and by the, this liberating work of our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, villagers deep in the jungle were getting sick but refused to cross the river to obtain the needed care and medicine. The, the missionary found it was the river that they actually feared, not so much the, the medicine. A witch doctor had told them basically that they'll never make it, for no one had ever crossed the river before. So the missionary prayed, and you know what he did? He went to the river's edge, and he brought everyone over, and to, he went and waded into the water to show these villagers something. The villagers were begging him, don't go in there, turn around, don't go in there. No, no, we, you know, it's not going to work. They were thinking he would be swallowed up by the water. But then he surfaced on the other side, standing on the shore, alive, nothing to fear. To the villagers, the missionary had won the victory, right? He wasn't swallowed up. And that missionary led the way. That's Jesus, you guys. Death is swallowed up in victory. The truth of what we know, what Christ does, 
It give it, gives us that confidence. The resurrection of believers is the victory over death and sin by the liberating work of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's Jesus for us. Will you fear death now? No. Will you now understand your future? I mean your sure future, right? Will you have confidence in that? Will you look to Christ to free you from that fear? I'll tell you, the power of the resurrection is what's going to raise us up. That's why it's so important we believe in the resurrection. That's why we celebrate the resurrection Sunday. That's why it's so important Paul wrote this chapter and focused on the resurrection because that is the truth, our hope, and that's the power that we embrace and understand that's going to happen to us. And I'll tell you what, I can say thank God to Jesus because I know that same power is working in me now, you guys, preparing me now, changing my mindset, changing my heart, helping me to live this new creation life, to be that citizen of heaven. That's that power, knowing I'm going to be raised with the resurrection, resurrected body, the glorified body. That's a power working in me now. Know that, you guys. Paul said that. Oh, I think about that song, you know, on a radio station by Jeremy Camp. It's called The Same Power. Let me read to you some of the lyrics. It says, I can see waters raging at my feet. I can feel the breath of those surrounding me. I can hear the sound of nations rising up. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. I can walk down this dark and painful road. I can face every fear of the unknown. I can hear all God's children singing out. We will not be overtaken. We will not be overcome. And the chorus goes, The same power that rose Jesus from the grave lives in us. He lives in us. The same power that moves mountains when He speaks. The same power that can calm a raging sea lives in us lives in us. He lives in us. He lives in us. Amen? No fear, you guys. Know your future. Know that you will be resurrected. So know that the life you live here, no matter what you go through, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. Oh, look at what time it is. Oh, let's go to number three quickly quickly number three the inspiration the inspiration be patient with me just a little bit more in the power of the resurrection we see number one the transformation number two the liberation and now number three the inspiration first corinthians 15 58 it says therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast Im immovable always abounding in the work of the lord knowing that your labor is not in vain Oh, I love this. He closes off this thought, this chapter, verse 58, our last verse for this morning. He says, therefore, whenever you see therefore, you got to look why it's therefore, right? And it always connects us to what he said, and it connects us to the chapter. And he's saying, since Christ is risen, since as believers we're going to rise up, since death is swallowed up, since we will have those resurrected bodies, then he says, you know what? You guys, be steadfast. Literally, the word is be seated, be settled. He's saying never give up here. Never give up. And then he says be immovable. That means not wavering, not giving in, 
You know what he's saying? Never give in, guys. Never give in. And then he says, always abounding. Always abounding in the work of the Lord. Now, always abounding in others. Always have effort. Exceeding in the effort. It means never give out here. And what is that in the work of the Lord? What is the work of the Lord? Furthering the kingdom of God here on earth. For know that your labor, all that work, all your serving, all that you put into in furthering the kingdom of God is not in vain. It's not empty. It's not worthless. worthless. It's of great value. So Paul says, never give up. Never give in. Never give out. Never give up. Be steadfast to the truth of the gospel. Never give in. Be immovable with the influences of the world. Don't give in to what they're saying and, and making you try and make you think. And never give out. Always abounding with a passion to live for Jesus Christ. So his last point really is this. Since the resurrection of believers is so powerful and true, let us do all we can to bring others to faith in Jesus Christ. Let us do all we can to bring others to faith in Jesus Christ. Is that what we're doing? I'll tell you, with all this stuff going on in the Middle East and, and even some, some 30 more missiles shot over at Israel, even the, the southern border and uh, the Gaza Strip, even with the Hezbollah getting ready for some stuff, with Israel being surrounded, with, with all these things happening, Christ is coming soon, guys. We talked about this at our men's retreat. He's coming soon. And what are we doing? If God saves his hand, if he keeps things together for a little while, that's good too. Because it's grace giving people more time to come to Jesus Christ. And perhaps he's, he's waiting for, you know, there's that thought in, of that verse that he's waiting for that very last one, you know, that will come. And perhaps he's waiting for us, you and I, to bring that last one to Jesus Christ so that we can go home. So you know what? Hurry up! <laughs> I'm going to go home. <laughs> now, Paul is saying, since the resurrection of believers is so powerful, so true, let us do all we can to bring others to faith in Jesus Christ. Are you doing that? Are you putting your all? Are you being uh, immovable there? Are, are you abundantly doing all you can? I tell you, time on earth is valuable right now. In light of all these things, what we do with our time is very important, very valuable. I think we need to wake up every morning and ask ourselves, what can I do for you, Lord, today? How can I be a witness for you? Who do you want me to pray for and talk to today? I think we've got to wake up with that attitude and that thought where Paul is saying, hey, guys, be steadfast then. You know, stick to that mission. Never give up what that is. Never give in to, to being conformed to the world and being pulled into, uh, let's just live every day like, oh, nothing's going to happen. Yeah? And never give out. Always abounding with your passion to live for Jesus and share Jesus with others. What are you doing with your time? I can hear Pastor Chuck still saying, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. Guys, we got a great future in front of us. I'm excited. Just reading this, studying this. Oh, yeah, Lord. Okay, God, let's get going. Yeah, let's get going.
No matter how you feel, no matter what struggles you have, maybe you have physical struggles. Maybe, maybe you live with pain every day. Maybe, maybe, maybe there's there's a situation you're under, and it's hard, and it's a trial, and it's like every day, and it's like you don't see any hope hope in front of you. But there is hope, because one day you're gonna be out of this body, and in an eternal heaven. I'll close with this one. Pastor shared how he. Um, I was reading how this one Calvary pastor, he visited a man, uh, this man on his deathbed, and he was in terrible pain, and his name was Mike. He had cancer, and the pastor was able to talk to him about Jesus, led him to Christ. He gave his life to Christ right there, and even right there in the hospital bed, the pastor baptized him. Then the pastor said, Mike, is there anything else that I can do for you? Well, the man repri- replied bluntly, no, unless you can get me another body. And the pastor said, well, I can't, but do I have good news for you? <laughs> I know someone who will. If Jesus rose again, so will you, so will I. If Jesus rose again, the same power that is already at work in your life is going to raise you up. Do you believe that today? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you do, then let's live differently. Let's have faith differently. Let let, let us trust God in a whole different way. And let us rely upon that truth of the power of the resurrection. Let's pray. Lord, thank you, God. Thank you for this truth, Lord, that so motivates us, Lord. That, that, that so moves us, God. Thank you that of the transformation that's going to happen, Lord, in the future when we receive our glorified bodies. Thank you for the liberation, Lord, from our old flesh. And thank you for the inspiration that motivates us, God, to live for you more than ever before, God. And help us today. Help us to do that. Help us to stop thinking about ourselves. Help us to, to, to stop centering our lives on me or our pride or or what we like or even what's convenient to us. Lord, let us sacrifice that part and become, Lord, people who live with a passion for you where nothing's going to stop us, that we're never going to give in, never going to give up, never going to give out. We're all the way until the day we pass from this earth and go into eternity. Or the day when you come for the church and we're raptured, we will be doing this one thing, Lord, living for you because we believe in the power of the resurrection. So, Jesus, here we are, God. Here we are, Lord. As your people, we lay ourselves, Lord, before you. As your people, we surrender all, Lord. Not my will, but your will, God. Lord, as your people, we acknowledge you as our holy, mighty, awesome Lord God. Jesus, who died on the cross and rose again from the dead, who is alive today, Lord. And let that power be moving through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all stand.